You were on a family vacation driving to Colorado to visit family and friends. Except for the innumerable road stops every 50 miles, things have gone well. You are content and believe that God is good and all is right with the world, and then the air conditioner conks out. The windows come down and the family begins to bake in the 95 degree heat of eastern Colorado. Two hours later, you come to a grinding halt, rush hour gridlock. And added to that is the perpetual sign, the eternal sign, one of the signs that is gonna appear in heaven, road construction for the next 20 miles. You glance at the narrow lane that is the shoulder of the highway. You think, why not? Try it. It will save you an hour of this agony. Still, small voice says, go for it. But the prudent side of you says, don't do it. It's against the law. It's dangerous, and so you play it safe. You stick it out and wait and wait and wait until you get to where you can see the end of the line. You can almost see your destination. And then you catch something moving in your right side view mirror it's a couple of young people in a flashy red Miata convertible zipping down the shoulder. They are laughing and waving and blowing kisses at all the dumbbells waiting in line. They go all the way down the line, cut in front of an 18-wheeler, and in a flash they are gone. You slump over the wheel and turn green, and the children ask for the millionth time, are we there yet? Or try this on for size. You've had a miserable day. The boss has been on your back all day. No one has returned your phone calls. You go home and settle the family disputes. And you wait till everyone has gone to bed so that you can pay the monthly bills. It's late and you're tired. You feel about as low as your bank balance. Before going to bed, you raid the refrigerator and find some leftover pizza and the last bottle of beer. And you sit down and watch the evening news and the first news item is that someone has won the lottery. The camera zooms in on a couple holding a six-foot-long check for $250,000, their first installment. And they are beaming like a couple of Cheshire cats. Before you hear the answer to the proverbial question, what will you do with this money? You flick the TV off faster than you can say, Alleluia, paint yourself green. 
Envy is the stingy emotion that practically no one owes up to. Envy is insidious. It is hidden. You can make jokes about adultery. You can make jokes about anger. You can make jokes about gluttony. But there are few, if any, jokes about envy. The color of envy is green, which means you do not have to go to a distant star to find little green people. They are all around you. What other emotion is so predictable? What other feeling causes such quiet pangs of outrage as the emotion associated with seeing others enjoying a good which we would like to have when someone receives something good which by our standard we determine to be unfair, unjust, and arbitrary? And that's when envy kicks in. It grabs us in a way in which no other emotion does. Are you envious, says the landowner, because I'm generous? Or as an older translation puts it, is your eye envious? Is your eye evil? Because I am good. The envious are like Jonah sitting on a tree, moaning and groaning because God has not sent hellfire down on those very bad Ninevites in the way that Jonah thought that they should be treated. The envious are like the full day's laborers grumbling at the pay table when the Johnny-come-latelys end up with the same pay that they do. The envious are like the older son in the story, the prodigal son, when he hears the sound of music and he sees the feasting and the dancing and people feasting on prime rib. Envy is all around us. The commercial world would collapse without envy. But I suspect racism, hatred, distrust, fear, all have their roots in envy. Envy, you see, is the diametric opposite of loving your neighbor. The way we give up envy is through the grace and power of the Spirit. As beneficiaries of the second birth, we uphold and we are committed to the core belief that the kingdom of the Abba Father is the greatest gift that there is. The kingdom is intended for all, regardless of deservingness or merit. The parable of the laborers in the vineyard declares that God does not operate according to our concept of fairness or logic or how long you've been paying your dues. The terms rights or entitlements are non-starters in the kingdom. There is no balance sheet in heaven. What there is, is open arms for twisted Ninevites 
where the ne'er-do-wells who get there for the last hour or for the virtuous high achieving who work all day, in other words, open arms for all of us. Every Easter Eve, we read a sermon from St. John Christosom. It is his sermon on the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And he asked this rhetorical question. Why is it that the householder gave the workers, regardless of their labor, all the same reward? And he answers his own question. It is because God only has one reward to give, a reward that has no measure in money or hours or days or years. God's reward is God himself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.